Welcome to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast presented by Dean Duplessis. We bring you up to date with all the ongoing fixtures domestically and on the international scene. We profile players, both current and former, and tell you all you need to know in the world of cricket. Uh, thank you very much indeed to Ross Brownlee Walker for those kind words. Thank you for the brand new imaging. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's been an, a wonderful time if you're a Zimbabwean supporter because uh, they have now finally secured themselves a series win after five long years. It's happened. The last time that they recorded a series win, of course, was uh, against Sri Lanka back in Sri Lanka in 2017, winning that series by three games to two. And the last time Zimbabwe beat Bangladesh in a one-day international series was back in 2013, nine years ago, in a three-match series, which they won by two games to one. Well, we do still have a game to go, but be that as it may, Zimbabwe have won the series, and I do know that uh, you're going to be hearing from Dave Houghton, the coach, in a bit, and he is uh, very, very adamant that he does not want the winning streak to end. But uh, first of all, we're going to be hearing from Innocent Kahir. Now, remember, in the first one-day international, just a refresher, Bangladesh making 303 for the loss of two wickets in the 50 overs, and Zimbabwe passing that total for the loss of just five wickets. Innocent Kahir, brilliant. 110 of 122 deliveries with 11 fours and two sixes. Sikanda Raza, outstanding. 135 not out of just 109 balls with eight fours and sixes. So we're going to be hearing from Innocent Kaya, who speaks on his maiden one-day international 100. Then we're going to be hearing from Regis Chakava. Now, don't forget, he is stand-in captain as Craig Irvin uh, nurses a hamstring injury. And uh, remember that he scored a quite brilliant innings of uh, 102 of just 75 deliveries in the second One Day International. And then we'll conclude with Dave Houghton, who once again gives us his reflection. So it's a busy old podcast. Uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Dean at Stumps podcast. All right, then. So let's now catch up with Innocent Kaya. It's not a very long interview, but it is wonderful to catch up with him directly after that first one-day international win as he speaks very fondly of his maiden one-day international 100. Innocent, that was absolutely outstanding. Congratulations. How are you feeling right now? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to put it in words, but I'm very happy, you know, my first uh, ODI turn, uh, it's unreal, the feeling. Yeah, the, the, the feeling hasn't really sunk in yet, has yeah, it? Yeah, no, not yet. I'm, I'm still Absolutely. processing it, yeah. Um, when Sikandar Raju joined you, when Zimbabwe were in a lot of trouble at 62 for three, mm. what did he say to you? Uh, he just told me, like, uh, let's just spare time because... Uh, we need to rebuild because you know we lost we, we lost early wickets and for us it wasn't about runs, it was about just batting, batting till till like the twentieth over, and after that you know we assessed the conditions and uh, the situation and we started like rotating the strike, but it wasn't easy. Of course, you know it comes with the pressure. I know that a lot of emphasis has been put on strike rotation. Is it something that you con constantly work on as well? Yeah. Um, like the last series when I played against Afghanistan, uh, people they were like, ah, you're not, your strike rate is low. But you know, that Afghan series, uh, I used to play the, the situation because people used to lose early wickets. But now, uh, with Dev, Dev always tell me that, you know, don't worry about the wickets, go enjoy your game. 
play a game. Yeah. So. And and it seems like it not just you, but everybody seems to be enjoying their game so much now that Dave Houghton has taken over. Yeah, sure. Everybody, you know, is playing their game. And they're not scared to play their shots anymore. Um, when you got to your 100, you were able to hit another big six, so you hit two sixes in your innings, but it seemed like you were beginning to tire quite a bit. Was that more a, uh, a mental exhaustion, mental fatigue as opposed to physical? Uh, no, because uh, you know, when, when I got out, uh, the off he was bowling, and, and to me it was a matchup because it was coming back to me, okay. like in me. So I was trying to take him on for like 20 runs because we wanted to win the game. And of course, as we alluded to in the press conference, your father was here. How special was that, scoring that 100 in front of your father? Uh, it's very special for me. Absolutely. Um, on a lighter note, and just as we finish, yeah. why do they call you Trigger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because sometimes I hear the ball very hard in the pop play, so they call me Trigger. <laughs> yeah. Innocent Kaya, thank you so much for your time. Wishing yeah. you many, many more hundreds in all formats of cricket for Zimbabwe. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dad. Uh, fantastic. Innocent Kaya, what a humble and modest young man he is. And uh, just wonderful that he was also paying tribute to his father watching the game. Reminds me very much of Hamilton Masakadza. Do you remember back in 2001 when he scored his maiden Test 100? And uh, as he got the ball away through the covers, Mr. Masakadza's phone came out, probably one of those big old-fashioned brick phones, and uh, he was calling the family, calling his friends, and rightly so. And it was just so nice to hear that Innocent had the the joy, the privilege of having his father watching watching him score a quite magnificent 100. And don't forget, that was a fourth wicket stand of 192 with Sikandar Raza. Well, uh, on to the second One Day International, a couple of days later, same venue again. It was Zimbabwe who won the toss. Again, they elected to bowl. And this time, they restricted Bangladesh to 290 for nine. But if you thought that they were in trouble in the first One Day International, that is Zimbabwe, that is to say, at 62 for three, well, then you had another thing coming because this time round they were in all sorts at 49 for four. And uh, it was then thanks to a fifth wicket stand of 200 between Reggie Chakava, the captain, who scored a quite magnificent century. He made 102 of 75 deliveries with 10 fours and two sixes. And Sikandar Razabat, who became the third Zimbabwean to score back-to-back one-day international hundreds. He scored 117 not out of 127 deliveries which uh, included eight fours and four sixes. And if you're wondering who the two previous Zimbabweans were, Brendan Taylor did it against New Zealand back in 2011. And of course, Alton Chigumbura did it against Pakistan uh, in 2015. And then, of course, that was the third and final game against Pakistan. And then uh, he did it again against India in the first one day international at Harare Sports Club a couple of months later. Well, I was able to catch up with Reggie Chakava, and I think it is self-explanatory to say that he was very, very happy after the performance of the team, as well as his own performance. Reggie, I don't quite know how to start this conversation, so what I'll do is I'll say congratulations, well done. You captained the side to a very, very impressive and successful win. Not only did you do that, but you also scored a hundred, your first one day international hundred. You did that as captain. More importantly, you've secured the series as captain and scoring a hundred. Has any of what you and the team have achieved sunk in yet? Uh, no, not quite. I think, uh, you know, just when we look at the fans, you know, and we see 
the joy, the smiles on, on the fans' faces, you know, uh, that really brings a lot of joy to us and, you know, that motivation to, to keep winning, you know. And so, yeah, it hasn't quite sunk in yet, but uh, definitely we, we're quite happy with uh, the result that we've got so far. I would imagine you'd be over the moon, but it, it just amazes me to see not so long ago if you were chasing anything in excess of 250 when Zimbabwe were in trouble at 62 for three as you were in the first one international and then again in the second one at, at 50 for four. Uh, it, it, it normally that Zimbabwe would just have basically shot up shop, uh, shot up shop, and just rotated strike and you know look to save face. But from the very onset when you joined Raza, you, you just seemed to take the initiative away from Bangladesh in, in what was some truly magnificent stroke play and strike rotation. Thanks. Um, you know when I went in, uh, we just had a quick chat with the coach, you know, and he had basically just said to me. You know, we, we can't just hang around and, and let them bowl to us. We have to take the game to them a little bit, you know. So I went in and tried to be as busy as I could, just rotating the strike and just keep the scoreboard ticking, you know. And I knew that if Raza was there, if I, if I could stay in and if we took the game a little bit deep, then we'd be in with a chance, you know. And obviously it was really nice, uh, especially for us to, to be right there at the end there. When you're involved in a partnership of 200 for the fifth wicket, how much communication is between you and your your partner? I mean, a lot, uh, you know, a lot of communication and, you know, just really keeping each other in check in terms of, you know, the goals that we have and the small targets that we were trying to, to keep at, not looking too far ahead of the game, but just, you know, going little bits at a time. And so, yeah, lots of communication. And, you know, again, it was really good to, to get that sort of partnership. How good was Tony Manyonga? You know, we, we kept saying, he's got to give the strike to Raza. He's got to give the strike to Raza because it looked a little out of sorts and a bit nervous, understandably, given the fact that he did come in, in, in a little bit of a, a pressure situation. But suddenly he unleashed this incredible array of strokes. I mean, it must have been wonderful for you to watch as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, we know what Tony can do. You know, he's a very aggressive player and him coming in at that point, we knew that, you know, it was just a matter of him getting himself going a little bit, you know, one or two boundaries would sort of uh, kick his innings off. And it was really nice to see him, you know, uh, finish off in the way that he did. I suppose there'll be slight areas of disappointment, the fielding not necessarily as good as what you would have wanted it to be, and then still a few issues in the top order. Would that be correct? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, with every game, you, there's always areas that you, you look back at and you think that, you know, you need to improve on. And for sure, you pointed out with the fielding there, you know, but I thought that, you know, the way that we came back, especially from overs, you know, 15 to to 45 was, uh, was really amazing. You know, the guys really stuck to the simple plans which we spoke about. And, um, you know, that was really, that was really good. And so it was just testament to, to you know, the, the guys, what, they, what they've been working on. All right, Reggie, you know that I'm a man who picks up things very quickly, despite the fact that I have no eyesight. You led me outside here to do this, do this interview after the press conference, and I could feel there was something quite not... I didn't feel the usual strong grip in your hand. Everything all right there? Yeah, everything good. Um, obviously, when I went for a dive trying to get in with the run out, I uh, must have hit the ground a little bit badly, so yeah, a bit of ice and uh, hopefully it will be good. And uh, looking to make it 3-0 in the final game? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, obviously always looking to, to come with a positive mindset, positive attitude, you know, looking to win. And so, yeah, uh, we'll come back again and uh, hope to make it 3-0. 
You're listening to the Dean at Stumps podcast. Wonderful to hear such confidence by Reggie Chakava. Wasn't that innings absolutely outstanding? It's also worth mentioning that he now has the fastest 100 in one-day international cricket held by a Zimbabwean as he reached that milestone of just 73 deliveries. He also passed 1,000 runs in limited overs cricket as well. So uh, absolutely fantastic stuff there by Reggie Chakava. And uh, very hopeful that he will be okay for that third and final one-day international. Well, as you know, if you listen to the DNAT Stums podcast as regularly as you do, or for those of you who've uh, only started listening to it now, what uh, has tended to happen after a series or at times even during a series, myself and coach Dave Houghton have a bit of a catch-up. And uh, we do a little bit of reflections as to uh, how things have gone. And uh, as Dave is about to tell you, it has been one very, very enjoyable ride so far for him. Davey, wonderful again to be having a chat. These last couple of months have been a wonderful ride for you, haven't they? Well, they've been a great ride. Um, and I was just saying to the guys this morning um, at practice that I don't want it to stop. Mm. You know, winning is habit-forming, but it's also the feeling of being in a winning change room is addictive, you know, and I, I don't want it to stop anytime soon. So we've got to play our, you know, play really well now and against India in particular and see if we can carry this on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because that's the that's whole thing is when you get on a roll like that, um, it's understandable that you're going to lose at some point, but it's just the, the whole um, disappointment that then goes along with it because you've got such a good momentum going. Um, it reminds me very much of your first home series in charge back in 1996. So you had gone to Pakistan as, as player coach, but your your first home series against England in 96 went very similar in terms of results as well. Yeah, um, it, it, it is a bit similar. I mean, there's, there's lots of stories about that England tour, but in the end, you know, we won the one-day series comfortably, and I think we even beat them as Mashonaland in one of the warm-up games, yes. and uh, the, the test series was drawn. So, yeah, you know... I, I, I've said to the guys today, and I'll say it again, winning obviously is fantastic. The feeling of winning, the habit of winning is really good. But I'm more about the the way we play our cricket now and doing all the little things really well. As long as we continue to do that, the results will look after themselves. Um, <coughs> having somebody like... Um, yeah, you may both struggling with a bit of a cough here, but... Uh, um, Sikandar Raza, I guess we have to talk about him, Davy. I mean, he I, I don't quite know if I've actually seen any Zimbabwean in such incredible form as what, what Raza currently is experiencing. He's a fine cricketer, um, Raza. He's got great timing. He's got, you know, he hits the ball really well. He plays good cricket shots. You know, he's not really slogging. He's just playing really good cricket shots at the moment. Um, and it's fantastic that he's going through this form. You know, long may it continue. Um, exciting to watch, you know, and on top of that, he, he's got such self-belief. You know, sometimes he can be a bit of a nuisance on the field. He'd be trying to get the ball out of bowler's hands because he wants to have a bowl because yeah. he feels he can do a better job. And, I mean, that's, that's a great attitude to deal with. He's got, you know, untold belief in himself. He can win the game with us for the, with the ball and with the bat. And, and then, of course, we have to mention the other two batters who've played exceptionally well as well. Innocent Kaya getting that <laughs> debut 100. And uh, then, of course, uh, Regic Akava. I mean, that innings was just unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, Innocent's one, I mean, it's his fourth one-day international. So for him, it's a nice early start to get into three figures. And he played beautifully throughout the, uh, throughout the innings. 
Reggie's uh, 100 uh, two days ago was one of the better 100s I've seen in, in uh, one-day cricket for Zimbabwe, if not the best. I mean, it was in 75, 76 balls, and yet at no stage did you ever think he was accelerating. He just played really, really good cricket shots right the way through. And um, I suppose you may be slightly concerned. I know we briefly spoke about this before the interview, but um, is it a concern when you do see your top order not necessarily contributing with the with the bat? And then also the bowling is a little disappointing, I would imagine, in terms of the first 15 overs. It, it's obviously, you're looking to address that. Um, and... Um, you know, but I would imagine that must be a bit frustrating not being able to utilize a new ball as well as what the bowlers should be doing. Yeah, I think if you if you look at the two games, the two one day games, the fifty over games, and and assess where we we're going well and where we're going badly, we're not starting well. Either innings, the batting or the bowling hasn't started well. We, we in the bowling side, the opposition's getting away to good starts, no wickets are falling. Um, in the batting side, we're losing early wickets and and only regrouping when we're three or four down. So hopefully that's something we can put right as we go forward. I mean, that doesn't always happen. Um, you know, no one's deliberately bowling badly or deliberately throwing their wicket away or anything like that. It's just the way the games have gone at the moment. Um, but it's certainly something we're trying to address. You know, at the same time, Dean, we've, we've been playing with a squad, I don't know, of about 25 people because we're having to change players almost every game. I think in the last game I made five changes. And those changes have been brought about simply because of injuries and niggles. And we're in that same position all the time. We're changing players, changing players. So we're not really getting the same two people opening the batting or the same two people opening the bowling yet. So there's real good uh, positives in that, in that everybody's getting an opportunity to play in the side, um, to show what they've got, to showcase their, uh, their skills. But at the same time, when you're wanting to fix a problem, you, you're not really fixing it because you're bringing somebody new in tomorrow to do the same job. And, uh, yeah, that, I mean, obviously that must be incredibly disruptive. But as you rightly say, um, this new word that everybody likes to use these days, bench strength, I suppose you, you now have a very good idea. I mean, Tony Munyonga is another one I'd like to talk about. You know, I've seen him play a little bit of franchise cricket, but the way that he stepped up to the plate after Reggie cover got out, that potentially could have been a little bit tricky, especially making your debut and you come in in a pressure situation. It could have been very tempting to ju just play the more experienced Luke Jongwe, but uh, you sent Tony Munyonga in ahead of him and he certainly got the job done in fine style, didn't he? He's a very good cricketer, Tony, and he's going to be one for the future for us. He's only a young lad. He, um, you know, I've seen a lot of him because I was at Mountaineers last season and he was one of my players. So I knew exactly what he's capable of. And all I said to him as he went out was, go and do a little gem for, for us like you did for Mountaineers. And he did exactly that. You know, and some people were getting wound up a bit because it was quite close to the end and he blocked a few balls and people said, oh, have we done the right thing? And then when Tony unleashed his shots, um, then everyone sort of looked at me and said, okay, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> I have to be honest, I was one of those, I was a bit nervous. I kept saying, he's got to get Raza on strike, he's got to get Sikandar Raza on strike. But, um, you know, it's just this wonderful brand of very, very fearless cricket. And, and I remember in our very first conversation, you emphasized heavily that you wanted these cricketers to be playing a natural brand of responsible, but at the same time, fearless cricket as well. So again, I suppose I'm repeating them myself, but it must be very pleasing to see that these things are beginning to fall into, into place as quickly as they are. Well, that's what we've talked about all the time. I'd, I've seen so much of the guys 
at franchise level, so at the provincial level. And I've seen the skills that they possess. And then you look at the national side and you don't see them displaying those skills out in the middle. And I'm thinking, well, why not? And that's the one thing that we've tried to bring to the, to the uh, change room, is that we've all got skills. These guys are highly skilled players. They've got some fantastic shots. The bowlers have got some good pace, good deliveries. They've all good yorkers, good bounces. We've got good spinners. I want to see it in contest against the opposition. And our crowds and our supporters want to see it out there as well. And that's what we've brought to the thing. And I've said to the guys, have no fear. Let's see your skills on display. Let's see where it takes us. At the moment, it's taking us to quite a few victories. Um, we're going to get back to the ongoing series now. But I had a, a fan who asked me a question. And it'll be very interesting to hear your take on this. And he asked me to ask you what your thoughts are on the younger players who get very heavily involved with social media. So there certainly are quite a few guys who are on Twitter all the time directly after a game is done. Now, when when they read these tweets, do you think that it can affect them in a positive manner or maybe sometimes, you know, you know it gets to them and, and they almost forget their values because they want to focus more on the social media side as opposed to focusing on the team? Do you often or have you in the short space of time at Jubinia had to maybe have a chat with players and say, just stay away from social media for a bit? Well, the short answer is I haven't said anything to the guys. And, and the reason for that is, I don't go on social media ever, so I wouldn't know what's been said or not being said. And until, unless somebody brings it up with me, I don't see any point in it. But, you know, I'm giving away my age now, but, you know, that sort of thing doesn't appeal to me in the least social media, you know. But for the youngsters and the guys who've grown up with it, it's quite an important part of their lives. So, like everything for me, as long as uh, the team comes first and you put your social life behind you and it doesn't affect what you're doing, then they can carry on. Talk to me, please, a bit about Luke Jongwe, Davey, because he really has come along in leaps and bounds. You know, there was a time where perhaps um, things got a bit ahead of him or he may have got ahead of himself by his own admission. But it seems to me that he's matured quite considerably in the last 18 months or so. Look, I can only really talk about the last two or three months. But yeah. in, the, in the case of Luke, and I have watched a lot of him ever since he left school, you know, at various times I've seen him play. And I see a talented cricketer who's trying to do too much of everything and not enough good stuff of one or other. So all I did when I came in and spoke to Luke, particularly when we started the T20s, is I tried to channel his good stuff into the areas that I think he could really work for us. So I said to him, I don't really want you to, in the T20s, that I want you to bowl up in the front. Um, you might have to bowl some in the middle, but most importantly, I want you to finish an innings for us, to bowl the last two or three overs. And I only want you to bowl, you know, your slower deliveries and your Yorkers. So I'm just going to leave it as simple as that. At no stage do you have to think about bowling line and length, swinging the ball, nothing. Just, just that. And when you come out to bat, I want you to just come out and finish games off. Hit the ball straight down the ground for six. Hit it over cow corner for six. Don't. I don't want to see a big six-foot-two guy playing a little dinky reverse sweep because it's worthless. You know, hit the ball where it's supposed to be hit. So I, we've tried to give him... Uh, a simple area to do and to do it well, and he has responded absolutely magnificently. And now you look at him and you think, hang on a second, international T20 franchise tournaments, you know, Dwayne Bravo makes probably about three or four million a year doing exactly that. You know, he's coming to the end of his career, who's going to take his place? You know, I wouldn't be far away from looking at a Luke Jongwe. Just go and do that in T20 and see how well you do it. It's amazing that you mentioned the name Dwayne Bravo because there are 
similarities, aren't there, between Luke and Dwayne? I understand Dwayne has a lot more experience and so on, but they, they, are, they do bring similarities to the table, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, the difference is Dwayne's played probably 500 more T20 yeah. games. But if you look at what he does, he runs up and he bowls Yorkers. He runs up and he bowls a slow ball. He's a little bit quicker than Luke, so he, he can bowl the odd bouncer, but he keeps it simple. He just sticks to those three things. And at the end of an innings, in fact, he just bowls Yorkers. And he comes in the, the batting order at about seven or eight, and he smashes the ball out the ground. You know, and sometimes he gets a quick fire 30 or eight balls or something. Sometimes he gets out for naught. But he is effective in that he wins games for you. And if you put it into perspective, uh, over 10 games, Dwayne Bravo will probably win you three. Uh, if you've got one person in your team who can win you three out of 10 games, you are doing very well. Davey, um, it's, it's incredible just listening to every player that I've interviewed of late. Sikandar Raza, um, Reggie Chakava, I spoke to him after his 100. I spoke to Innocent Kaya after his 100. Every single player... One of the first things that they say is, or the first name that they use is Coach Dave. Dave Houghton said, this is what we're going to do. Dave Houghton said, this is what we're going to, you know, go out there, play your shots, don't let them uh, bowl to you. We, we can't just let them bowl to us. Are you aware of how much of an impact you have made, not only to the players, but to the fans? Again, so I'm pretty active on social media. And practically every single or every second tweet, uh, that every reply to my tweet is how much you have done for this team in the short space of time and how the fans have really embraced and are starting to love you. Don't forget, Dave, these are people who have never ever seen you play as a player because some of them wouldn't have even have been born. Many of them were probably too young to see you when you were coach in the 1990s up until 2000. So, you know, it's it just, are you aware of how much love there is for you at, at this particular moment in time? I am, you know, and I'm very humbled by it. Um, you know, I, I try and downplay, not downplay for any reason, but basically the influence I've had on the guys. All I've tried to do with the guys is get them to express themselves and use the skills that they've been given to, to, to do that. And they've done it so well. So it, it looks like I've sort of come in with a magic wand and touched everybody and made them play differently. I haven't. And as I say, I'm very humble that people think I have. But all I've tried to do is get the guys playing uh, and enjoy playing that way. You know, it's not going to work every time. There will be times when we get bowled out for 80 because I'd rather be bowled out for 80 in 10 overs than be bowled out for 120 in 50 overs. You know, at least with the 81, you've got a chance of winning. If it comes off, you might go and score a couple of hundred. But the other way of just playing and knocking the ball on the ground and trying to save face as such doesn't get you anywhere. So, you know, as I said, we will occasionally have a little hiccup. But if the guys continue to play this brand of cricket, they're going to get a lot more consistent. They're going to be a lot more competitive and they'll win more games. Right, so we have one more one-day international to go. Again, injuries have bedeviled Zimbabwe. I'm just wondering about Reggie Chakava because what I saw was um, when he was coming, he was coming back for a second and he had a nice big dive to try and being, to avoid being run out. And I initially thought he'd winded himself. That was my thought initially looking at it. Um, but when I spoke to him, he was very ginger with his handshake. And then I realized that there was something slightly more wrong there. Is he going to be okay for the final game? Um, he hasn't got a fracture, so he's had an x-ray this morning and he hasn't got a fracture. There's still a bit of swelling in his hand. Uh, my understanding is there's a bit of soft tissue issue. He might have burst a vessel and there's some bleeding inside. 
he's desperate to play. Um, we've got so much cricket coming up that I'm more inclined to think that he'll sit tomorrow out. If that is indeed the case, and I mean, you, it has been made, a, it, obviously a, a final decision will be made, so it's not set in stone. But if he were to miss out then, does that mean who will then take over as captain, given the fact that Craig Irvin isn't there? Would that be Raza? Yeah, I think we'd give the captaincy to Raza, um, next senior player. Um, and we've, we've brought in Clive Mandanda into the squad as cover in the wicket-keeping department, should Reggie not make it. OK, well... Um, I don't know, David, it's just been absolutely awe-inspiring to to be a part of this and to see the team just have this flick the switch and, and, and turn around and play this incredibly positive brand of cricket, which in turn has affected the the crowds in uh, a very, very positive manner as well. I mean, you used to play in front of big crowds at Harare Sports Club, but the, the more, I suppose, modern crowds, if you'd like to put it that way, it's a different experience entirely, isn't it? Oh, it's a fantastic experience. I mean, to see them singing and dancing on the stands the whole time. You know, the crowds when I used to play, and I'm not sure they were ever any bigger than that, but, you know, they, they would sort of clap if you hit a four yeah. and then it would be quiet until the next you know, event happened, whereas here it's just constant. It's a constant singing in the background. And, I mean, our players love it, we love it. You know, And if you saw the players after the last game, but they spent a good hour walking around the ground and thanking the supporters, yeah. so it was brilliant. Well, you've got one more to go. I'm sure you'd be one very happy man to now make it three in a row. And uh, as much as you've won the series, I think it would hurt a little to have to, if it were to end 2-1. Now, we're looking at trying to win the game 3-0. It's as simple as that. We want to keep this habit of winning going. Um, obviously, Bangladesh will be a tough nut again tomorrow because the pride's been dented a bit. Um, and they'll be wanting to come back quite hard at us. But um, if we play our strengths again tomorrow, I think we'll be more than a match. Um, t tell me about the toss, just the last question before I let you go. How important is this toss? Because it's a strange old setup, isn't it? The ball nips around a little bit at the top of both innings, and then halfway through it just seems to become this incredibly good pitch to bat on, not really too much for the seamers, not too much for the spinners even. Um, but is it really that important to win the toss and bowl first? I don't think so. I mean, we, we've won all of our games up to these last two one-day games batting first, and then these two one-day games we chose to, to bowl first, having won the toss both times. The, the wickets that have been produced have been absolutely magnificent here at uh, Harare Sports Club, honestly. They're good pace, good bounce. There's not a lot in it um, in terms of sideways movement for the seamers, and there isn't any great spin. So you've got to be really skilled as a bowler to stop people smacking you around the park. Has the toss made a difference only to the effect that our guys like to chase um, in 50-over cricket? I don't see any problem. I mean, both games we've had, uh, what, 600 runs in the games, you know, 300 in the first innings, 300 in the second innings. So batting, I don't think, has been too much trouble. I think the new ball, especially two new balls, have caused a few problems the first 10 overs of both innings. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously for the batters, very important to understand that it doesn't mean that if you've lost the toss and if you've been asked to bat by Bangladesh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've already lost the game. Not at all. And if you look at the two games as well, as I said right at the beginning of this conversation, our, our toughest time has been up front bowling. Okay. And Bangladesh have been sort of 80, 90, you know, at six and over without losing a wicket both times. So I don't think the toss is going to make a huge difference. If we get an opportunity to bat first tomorrow, I hope we can go out there and put a big score on the board. You're listening to the Dean at Stumps podcast. You most certainly are, and thank you very much indeed to all the contributors, Innocent Kaya, Regis Chakava, and Dave Houghton as well. Goodness me, it is, uh, from a Zimbabwean perspective, 
It certainly is a, a great and wonderful thing to uh, be a part of the setup, whether you're just a very big supporter in the stands or whatever it is that you're doing. And there's a lot more cricket to come. Three one-day internationals against India and then off Zimbabwe go to Australia where they'll be playing three one-day internationals against Australia as well and much more to come as well. Thank you very much indeed for listening to the Dean at Stumps podcast. I am Dean Duplessis and it's been a great joy, privilege and pleasure to be with you and I'm pretty sure that we'll be back pretty soon with uh, a couple of very good interviews yet again. Until then, stay safe and goodbye. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast, presented by Dean Duplessis. Join us again next week and catch up with all the action in the world of cricket. Cricket.